0: This episode of the Keenan Yoga Podcast is sponsored by Moments, the booking system we use and highly recommend. With Moments, you can set up classes, workshops, retreats, appointments, and courses, either online, in-person, or hybrid. And you can take payments via Stripe and PayPal. So Moments integrates also with Zoom, so when someone's making a booking, for example, they will automatically receive the link by email. You can also create membership subscriptions, on-demand video libraries, and more. It's easy for you and for your customers to use. Moments is a great for solo teachers and right up to studios with multiple sites. Robust reporting and time-saving automations will save you hours on admin and it even runs a staff payroll. So if you do run a yoga studio, it will manage teacher payments and more. Mo- and, and more. Moments takes care of the whole business side for you. Their excellent team will help you set up, move, or over from any other automated system. And best of all, Moments offers real time support via phone, live chat, and email. They are there to help you whenever you need it. Right now, you can get a two month free trial for Moments. Click the link in the description below or visit slash forward slash moments to sign up and give it a go. No obligations. And now, on to the episode. So, welcome, Shandor to Keen on Yoga, second time around. Um, thanks for coming on. It's been wonderful to chat to you before, and I'm sure today we're gonna to have an amazing chat. Shandor's released a new book, The Threefold Benedictions of the Thunder Dragon, or I'm not gonna pronounce that. So welcome, Shandor.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's good to see you again, Adam. Um, the, the pronunciation is Right. Ali am glad Right, I'm
0: glad you said it, not me. Um, right, so it's an amazing book. I've read through it. Um, first of all, it's first of all I found it quite overwhelming and complicated. Uh, Shandor is a serious student of hatha yoga or kriya yoga, and it's in the most um, you know, fullest aspect. So we're going to talk about this book today, and it is a little bit complicated, people. So just bear with us, um, and uh, we'll try and break it down. Um, besides that, I totally recommend it. I would really um, recommend it. anyone who's seriously interested in yoga and not just gymnastics to pick up this book. Not only do you get a fantastic elaboration of what you know, what the reason of asthma is and how it fits into everything else, Shanda's also quite funny. So there's a couple of little, little funny bits as well. There, I enjoyed. Um, he is actually got a good sense of humour as well as being incredibly knowledgeable. So um, do you want to just give us a background to the book a little bit? So it's mentioning the Pashupatas as the uh, as the, the kind of lineage, the Tantric Pashupatas. Is that right? Well, the um,
1: it, it is all Tantric of background and you know they the Pashupatas outdate most people most of the tantric lineages they hail all the way to the harappan civilization of mohenjo daro and you know i'm sure you came across the the mohenjo daro seals that they found in the digging and basically the the Pashupati, the lord of the animals i mean lord over animal um, behaviors within a human being that's what it's supposed hmm. to into point, and it is sitting in the present day called mulabandhasana. In those days, it was uh, referred to as Bhagasana. Bhag means uh, the womb where gestation takes place. So basically refers to the basic, the base chakra. So that one particular seed, whether you like it or not, it does the mulabandha without fail, but you have to get there. And if you look at the seal, it has two, um, there's a number of them. And there one in particular, it has a downward pointing triangle while in, sitting in the Bhagasana or Mulabandhasana. And above that, there is an erect phallus. And this is a hidden reference that there are two positions of the feet that are involved. The erected situation is to do with kandasana. Now these two seats go hand in hand. One, otherwise you just get a partial effect upon the situation. So they are meditative seats and you can imagine how much work has to be done on the basic uh, during the basic activities until these two seats, besides other tools, that um, they come naturally. And when I say naturally, without an effort, like when you go and you are thirsty Mm. and you pick up a glass and pour water in it, it just happens naturally. So these particular positions at this stage that we are heading through, like what I explained in the book, they have to be like a natural part of you. You think of it and you do it. There's no warm-up, you can enter the shape whenever it pleases you or there is a need for it. And this is what is referred to as a real mastery over asanas. Until you need to go through preparatory states to get to this pose, that pose, there is no mastery, it is practice. And this is why there's a statement um, in the Upanishads, when they speak of yoga, they say that um, learning yoga is one thing, that means you're working under a guide. you're learning. Teaching yoga is yet another thing. But being a sadhu or the, doing sadhana is again another. So until the sadhana is happening, master is a long way off. And you know, you know we have some, our abilities and availabilities, like one sadhu put it to me one day. Because this is the early days, I you know I always kind of went out of the way to meet with some of these men, and um, he looked at me and he said, "Well, he said you take so much pride in your ability and uh, availability, but he said that has nothing to do with you. That's the work of your ancestors, mother, father, grandmother, grand, you know, and." what are you going to contribute to all of this? This is when the penny dropped. I said, yeah. You know, and 99% of people nowadays, they're running on this fuel. Like, they got ability, availability. It's not about that. It is a good thing to have. But then, what are you doing with it? And mm-hmm. where are you going with it? So this mm-hmm. is where the situation changes. So when we, let, let's say... I use the Ashtanga approach also because, and the Iyengar, they ran parallel. One did it this way, the other one did it that way. But what was really good that you have all these sequences, and definitely they're the practices, they for acquiring the appropriate tools over there. For now, this is what it is. So, out of these tools, then eventually, if you look at my present book, very few are mentioned. And uh, you don't mind me expanding on this?
0: Not at all, not at all. I mean, before you expand on this, let's just kind of lay down the foundations. Like, okay. can you just, for the for the public, can you just tell main, maybe like something like the main texts, main texts and, and the aim, potentially, the aim of what's the final aim and, and uh, are there any texts around this that people can kind of know where you're coming from or lineage or, you know, just kind of to contextualize a little bit before we go into the methods themselves?
1: Okay, so the old system. Uh, there are uh, there are many systems within the yogic tradition, but to cultivate anything, it requires a particular way of doing, right? And they they have their preparatory steps, and unless you have that, you're not going. You're going nowhere. And um, so going back to the Pashupatis, that uh, those two asanas that the one is uh, shown and the other one is hiddenly suggested. They are for initiate or for gurus, people who know. And then all the different type of animals that are surrounding the Pashupati, they show the different behavior patterns. Some are like tigers are highly active and rajasic and it's a merciless killer. Then rhinos are blind. And so when you look at all these things, all these things exist within an individual. So by the beginning of the cultivation and developing all those different uh, bodily positions, they bring these blind spots into the surface. And then, of course, with that, you're dealing with karma and you're also dealing with post-programming memory. Like, you know, when you are born and you come in and you the family situation and you go to school, conditioning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and the governmental yeah. conditioning, need I say more? Huh? <laughs> so all these things you have to become fully conscious of and free from. And you can only become free of these programmings if you are conscious of what they are. Then they're no longer important to you. But until you become conscious of them, they color, they cause color, and they they model your choices of action. And it can, you know, sometimes it can be good outcome, and sometimes it can be a complete disaster. And this is what has been missed, with a lot of the situation and it became just a glorified exercise leading nowhere
0: mm.
1: and yes definitely you have to it's a kind of a die-hard situation at the beginning but yeah you, you mentioned
0: right. in, in, sorry i was gonna say you Go mentioned on. the book of frustrate i like the the, the phrase frustrated contortionists yes <laughs> yeah but so what so what is the purpose of asana then the In in this system asana. yeah okay
1: let me answer you with a very simple thing you learned with patabi yes the old
0: man uh, a little so, bit a little bit he was old at that point yeah yeah well,
1: that's all right but when like the early boys they were working with it the great thing was there that when you had to do your thing until you were available you had the ability and availability that demanded you to do your practice and it required that freedom of activity. But when you hit a pose that was not happening and the old man came and put you in it and laid on you, your body could not move. You couldn't manipulate anything. It was purely to loosen the inner energy. But if the mind is, if the mindset was incorrect and you were looking for some high, that may be because You know, the mind can relate. We've all been through the drug situation or this or that. So if you're looking for a high, then that's what will take precedence and will totally miss the point of the adjustment. So many times the adjustment is there. And even because all of a sudden when somebody puts a weight on you, the physical structure is knocked out. It's in that shape. Now, all of a sudden, the only movement that is available is the internal energy, what we refer to as a pranic force. Then the two major forces, prana and apana, begin to activate one another. So they attract one another because one is the um, the yin, the other one is the yang. So they, they interact and this energy begins to flow, but it takes a long time of practicing like this to develop the sensitivity of the mind, that it is more what is behind the adjustment. And even though in the beginning it is um, unconscious, eventually when one covers enough ground, the penny drops. Now, let's say when we look at through the different system of the Ashtanga or if you look at light and yoga same, when you look at all these patterns of combinations of postures, yes, you have to work the body through Then you have to ask yourself, okay, well, I'm doing, let's say, in the finishing postures, the big thing, Baddha Padmasana and Yoga Mudrasana. Now, if you look at everything right from the big first step, even in the standing pose as you get to the ground, everything builds towards that Baddha Padmasana. Now, the penny doesn't drop okay like you know because you are driven uh I'm Bada padmasana I got it and i'm in yoga mudrasana now and i'm going to get enlightened you're not going to get enlightened it's just the tool and when the, the 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 penny dropped for me is when i was uh, when i was guided through the ketchari yeah and then all of a sudden i arrived to a point and the information was now the churning of the tongue is done in Padapadmasana. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then, of course, unless the tongue is up there, how will you manipulate your nostrils? Because once the tongue goes up, it is this is the tongue manipulates the nasal opening. There's a nerve center there, at the upper palatal region which is referred to as the Vyoma chakra, the space chakra, right? Right. So let's just, yeah. let's just
0: clarify. Shandal's was talking about Kachari Mudra, which is yeah. when the tongue can turn up to the soft palate and seal or, yeah. or at least a, seal the navel cavity. Is it a C- C- It C- goes anything?
1: behind. It goes, goes right behind. above the um, soft palate right. and into the yeah. upper palatal region. Right. And right there, there is a nerve center right where the septum is. And then when the tip of the tongue touches there, you can consciously and through mental reflection, you can manipulate which nostril you want working. So why? Because the, the churning of the tongue cannot take place without Bastrika pranayama. And then the particular way of drawing the breath in, which is done through the slightly open mouth, which is called the
0: crow beak gesture. But is asana relevant for that? Do you need asana to get to that point? That's I mean, because you mentioned saying. in the book that it's kind of, stre- no, no. you say it's, stre- it's strengthening, asana is strengthening. And then after a certain point, which you mentioned in the last recording, you then mm. say that asana after a point should actually be reduced and it's obstructive. Yes, it because gentler.
1: that's what I was explaining to you a little bit earlier, that real mastery is where you no longer have to do the steps to get to the desired posture. Like I can just go in Bada Padmasana and I'm there. Or if I if there is a need for me to, let's say, do Pashini mudra, or what is called nowadays Vipadashir Sasana, I do it. Why? Because I don't when you can do that asana, or it's a, really is a gesture, it's a mudra, pashini mudra. You don't need no longer to do shoulder stand. It does exactly what shoulder stand does in the beginning. So if that's why you have it upright, elevated, and lying on your back. And you even have one standing when you stand up and you walk around a little bit just to loosen the hips. So all these real mastery of the practices prior to this situation entering, that means you have mastered these particular Required shapes. They no longer are asana. They become a mudra. Same is like, let's say, you know, we do all the fancy back bends and everything. When you have managed and reached the mastery of Raja Bhujangasana, you got it all. All because if you can do Raja Bhujangasana, whether you hook your toes here or you put your feet there, and all you have to do if you want to do Gandha Berundasana is you roll onto your chin and throat. And you're there. So there's no difference. One works the upper section, the other one works the lower sections. This understanding has to be there. But until and unless you have to you have to build up to it, that takes about an hour, hour and a half sometimes, right? Now, to put it to you this way, when you get to the Kechari situation, right? If you have to spend an hour and a half to get to the asana desired for this particular activity. And then you are given one and a half hour of called Shakti Chala, which first has to do with the lower section, which involves Nauli Kriya and all that, and a few other things. That's an hour and a half. Then by the time you get to the tank, it's a requirement for another hour and a half. I forget it. You will not last. So the idea of the asana, pranayama situations, which are all physical activities of the body, is to purify the channels, render the body strong for endurance, because the next stage, what I'm describing in my book, is also a preparatory stage for the real churning, which comes after this. So this Mm -hmm. is... uh, It is for the the mindset. So you're developing, in my book, what I'm explaining, the, the threefold meditations, it deals with the bodily situation of the mindset. That means the structure and the internal mindsets. So you're slowly preparing the mindsets. and then all this, what is I mentioned in my book, is all put away because you don't need it. All you need is two cease, And then again, because you have to do all what requires to be done. So you're working internally, you start on the outside and you're slowly growing towards that. Mm -hmm. It's like, I can use a parallel here like martial art, yeah? So let's say a martial artist is building up, does all his cutter and everything, and then gets in a real situation, right? Let's say he's went to Blackpool in uh, North of England in the verse pub in Blackpool, right? (laughs) <laughs> and somebody leans yeah, on yeah. him and then those boys who are in those pubs they don't need a warm up they warm all the time yeah. so <clears throat> if the guy is, is he going to is the other guy that is leaning on the dude who done much uh, going to wait hey, excuse me Matt can I do my cutter to prepare to get this no it has to be instilled it is like a First nature, almost to your being.
0: Well, I'm I'm going to pass over how you how you know blackball and its reputation. That's fantastic. Um, and uh, lead on to yes, the the idea that you've got these. uh how do you call them? And angaroras, angaroras, is that what it? Katana angaroras. And you do make a differentiation. Yeah, engahara Sorry, is my um spelling. Yeah. And in the in the book between asana and the kind of spontaneous rhythmical gestures, can you go into that a little bit?
1: Yes, I yep. can.
0: Angahara means arrangements. Right? A
1: particular arrangement, which we are always dealing with three distinct bodies. So, you know, the Trishula of Lord Shiva. You got three breaths. You got the two nostrils plus you got the internal breath. So that represents that. It also represents the three bodies, the physical body. So when you do Pashini uh, Mudra or Vipadashir Sazana as a trishula, you got two feet plus the head so the physical structure has to be taken into this arrangement right, that it is part of it and is not different there's no obstruction then you have the mindset and then you have the internal activity they go in hand in hand so this is what is referred to as angahara. Now, like the dance, like the Shiva's dance, that's why the Pashupatis were so important, they used to use that. And of course they use also Mantra Sādhāna, mental repetition of particular coded messages. This is why they say that when you, let's say, if you say Om Hūm Hamsa, whatever, right? This is a coded message. And that's why they say either the deity opens the avenue for you, whose energetic resonance this mantra is, or if it doesn't come like that to you, then the guru it comes from the guru's mouth. Why? Because the guru has the decoded message in him. So if it tells you, and then you have to utilize that for mental focus while you utter the mantra. So the. The arrangement and the angahara, let's say when you begin to do the some of the dance forms, you got hand and foot movements. So you're working with the arms and legs. Now, the only text that this describes a little bit, hints upon it, is the Matsyandra Samhita. That there is a situation of the seven indivisible Um, the way they called vargaksara which means the seven indivisible um, not teams how can i say now i got it in hungarian Um, (laughs) the seven indivisible groups of sound these correspond to the chakras right and this, the way he puts it, it refers to, if you understand, if you learn the placement of sounds right through the whole body, which is called Yogini Nyasa which I mentioned in a book, right? This, pre- this precedes this. And then when you go through these seven divisions of in, like indivisible sound systems, then you automatically know that It comes to your understanding that the right arm, any movement of the right arm affects your second chakra and the kandastana, where all the nadis come together. Now, the svadishtana chakra is the seat of the self and the pranic force. Any movement, the proper movements made with the left hand, it feeds the heart chakra. So, you have the heart, which is the seat of the mind, where the unstruck sound exists, and the Swadishtana, the seat of the self, energetically. So, this is where the karanas were used by the Pashupata Tantrikas when they were performing those movements. You have to have the coordinations of the arms and legs, and in the meantime, there was a particular coded message. The mantra has to go on. So your movements have to be in line with the rhythm of the coded message. It's not so simple. It completely alters your breathing, and you find out how well you coordinate it or not.
0: But this is, is that how different you... to the shadow yoga. That you're teaching is, there's a this different is, thing or it sounds rather similar the kind of swaying the low yeah. kind of movements the rhythm if you
1: look at the shadow yoga does the linear activity to bring the bones the the squatting most people can't squat nowadays mm. so they proceed even let's say the, they should be preceded before the let's say the primary system in ashtanga that is used because the average beginner, they don't even know how to squat. Now, we both know that if you can't squat, you don't have a bowel movement. That means the Pana Wayu is dead. Anything painful below the hips, hips, knees, shins, ankles, you have problems with the Pana Your negative force, the one that draws the hot wind down is not working. So, mula Bandha is not working. You can squeeze the anus. It's not working because the parts don't correspond. So, this is what was developed in the in the shadow yoga. Now, this step forward, you're utilizing the karanas. Karana means causes. That which causes things to happen. So, basically, you bring for the... You centralize all the energies that flow through your arms and legs right you bring them to a central position and you get to the floor and then on the floor you can see that uh, in a, in the first in a the first section of the the book the seated asanas are very simple now if you really look at those seated asanas they the great grandfathers of mula bandhasana kandasana and Korakshasana. Yeah? You know those three seats right at the beginning? They come after when you get to the floor. Why? Because that first one, um, the Vajroli Mudrasa. You heard about Vajroli Mudra and stuff. You don't mind if I expand on this?
0: Yeah, I think you need to uh, expand on Vajroli Mudra, okay. certainly. Vajroli
1: Mudra refers to the energy that operates. It's a hot energy hot wind that operates in a urethra and the bladder. So the idea is because this energy uses to expel things, urine, ejaculation of the life force, and if that sport is followed. And then um, the idea of yoga is Ulta Sadhana. The term Ulta means reversal of the outflowing of life inwards. So life comes down to us, it flows out, which is all very fine, has to do with the outside world, but the day you decide to do the yoga, you have to reverse the energy. Now, the beautiful thing of this Vajroli Mudrasana is you don't have to use, like in Hatha yogic texts, you you get to the Shatkriyas, you know, the cleansing stuff, and they talk about the Vajroli Mudra there a little bit where you have to get a catheter, a urinary catheter inserted in the tube, and then you let the urine out, and then you suck this up, suck that up. This was done for highly perverted minds and people with difficulty in a prostate to, to make corrections in that malfunction. And the, the problem with it is that you also open for infections if you start drawing out different substances in there, plus you have to know now Likria and all that other stuff that goes with it. So I always question this, right? And though I've done it, it's no big deal, but you are open for uh, situations. You don't want to walk down. You don't want a urinary infection. You don't want a bladder infection. You don't clear it. So at the right time, the right information comes. Now, when you look at it, you place the back of, let's say, the right heel against the little toe side of the left foot. Now, in TCM nowadays, or not just nowadays, always they use those two points. At the time of childbirth, when the mother, and you know, sometimes things happen, and all of a sudden, the, the child inside the mother turns the wrong way down. Instead of head, it's the ass. And this was always a very bad situation because the splits were terrible, right? And it was also not good for the child because the energy was put the wrong way. Even Krishnamacharya talks about it when the head enters the vaginal opening, it's like a massage. Everything is pulled down to the feet, right? It's like doing headstand. So when you place these two situation together, it engages the vajranadi in our language, in our yoga. But in TCM, it turns the child. So when they needled these points, that where the heel and the little toe side of the foot touches, it caused the turn of the child inside the womb, and it turned upside down again. So basically what we are doing in this particular, it's Vajoli mudrasana, meaning... And when asana gets happening, the Vajra Nadi is triggered and the energy of the urethra and everything turns. So without any effort, you get not just smaller Bandha, all the other Bandhas engage because the perineal region and anything below the navel is connected to the throat. So automatically the, the three Bandhas become active in a subtle way. And of course, if you cover the good work with the body, this is available. Then udar Kanda is a predecessor of uh, Kandasa. So udar Kanda, udar means the digestive fire, the lower fire. So after this, when this energy is reversed, you do the ankle bit. Why? Because the outer ankles, if you look at my Shadow Yoga book, the two marmas that are there have to do with the seminal fluid. So it is, you're supporting, so you got the, uh, the vajranadi happening. Vajra means lightning, right? So it, 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 it has to do a lot with indra. Indra, basti, is to do with the calves and the forearms, which has to do with the small intestine. Small intestine is absorption. So the moment you do udar kandasana, you engage the saman vayu, which absorbs all the energies you just said, pull to the central position. So you're creating absorption in an upward movement without you trying to force it. And then Gorakshasana is when you is half mula So you bring the heels up, and then you take the four hairline onto the floor. It causes a deep contraction in the lower abdominal viscera anything beyond the diaphragm it goes like this so the energy is in a opening of the central channel and then um you must you, you manage these three and all the other stuff is working for you
0: so is it the asana that's kind of spontaneously kind of precipitating the bandha? and you mentioned yeah. i mean could you yeah. expand a little bit on bandha? and you say it's a when when bandhas are grasped, their respiratory, uh, the breathing becomes uh, spontaneous. Internal. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So when I speak maybe speaker, just speaker.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Just what? um, just go on and expand a little bit. Uh, the use of the asana to manifest a kind of spontaneous situation, which is what I understand, with the bandha and the respiration at the same time,
1: right? So this simple asana, nothing. If somebody, some uh, diehard, looks at it, and I said, ah, it's nothing. Yeah. This nothing does it for you. So it saves a lot of work because then the main vayus of prana, apana and even udan vayu are working. Why? Because saman vayu, the small intestine region, which is the region of the kandastana, where all the nadis come together, automatically withdraw the energy or contraction happens of the eyes, the nasal passages, the ears, the mouth, the throat. So everything is centralized. That means you no longer rely on external breathing. And this is what is really referred to as ujjayi breathing, because all of a sudden you start to feel a movement, centrally, not from right to left, but in this way, like the atom, right? So the upward channel and the downward channel begins to circulate, the prana, pana, and you lose all Hunger to breathe from the outside. Definitely, the in the early asana work is it's important to get the nasal passages and all that working. But at the later stage where we are going now, but the mind has to get accustomed to this. Because when you're working with, let's say, the asanas, you are, you know, you have to breathe through the nostrils and stuff because you're working dynamically. So it's a physical activity, even when you do alternate nostril breathing, all, it's all physical activity. But then the mind accepts that. But behind that surface acceptation of the mind, there is something else in there. It says, but you know, there is something else happening behind here. So this is that stage. But the mind has to accept that all of a sudden he cannot wander around on the outside it's now only inside and it is limited to a circuit. So slowly the slow cultivation of this internalizes the energy. That means you begin to draw upon the real life force inside you, which automatically is starting to gain confidence that you don't have to rely upon the outside. This automatically cuts down food intake, fluid intake and sleep. This is the beginning of those times when they say that, you know, you have to catch the Brahma Muhurta. You heard of the Brahma Muhurta, no? Mm-hmm. Four till six in the morning, four till six in the afternoon. These are the two delegated important practice times. Why? Central Nadi works. You don't have to do anything. But if you don't recognize it, it doesn't work. But then what are you going to do with midnight and midnight midday? Because they say that the sadhana has to go around these stages. So the most difficult one is midday. Until one is engaged in an external life activity, like if you are teaching or whatever, you can't do that. But you have three stations. So the two stations of sunrise, sunset, gives you the observation of the moon. And it's energy at night. You don't have to do anything. just sit quietly and utilize that energy but you have already created the setting sunrise it's in, in the nerves sunset it goes back into the it go, so sunrise when you do the activity from the nerves it goes into the physical structure and then sunset post digestive situation and goes back into the nerve so you 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 rested so you don't need much sleep and you pop our eyes pop open like that but you know you have to get there
0: so, I mean, after all that, to ask a stupid question, your the ultimate understanding that you have of pranayama is breath cessation, to stop the breath altogether. Is that correct? And is Kumbhaka. that a possibility in your experience? Kumbhaka. No breath whatsoever. Kumbhaka, completely.
1: Yeah. Yes, but you need... So this is the beginning.
0: Then, Don't of course, home,
1: already here, the introduction of a mantra is required. Now, when I speak of mantra, it is mental repetition of that. So the mind is involved. And then that mantra usually is cut in such way that supports the activity that is coming. And then slowly behind that, for a year you are made to struggle. Even, you know, with the guide, with the guru. They will say, here is the mantra, go away, do it. And then you're struggling because yes, no, And then all of a sudden, after a year, if you are growing and if they see fit, then they give you a little bit of what it is that you are really doing with these sounds. So the reflection, they give you a hint. They don't give, don't expose the full picture, just a little bit. And then all of a sudden the mind begins to see that something else behind the mind. eh? And then slowly, slowly, they guide you through. This is why they say 12 years. I gave 16 years just in case. Yeah. <laughs> and I but think you mentioned, uh,
0: just, to back, just to back up there a bit, a bit earlier with the bunders that once mm-hmm. you kind of grasp this, that you can kind of, how do you put it? You can use it however you want, or there's something like that, that you could kind of use it for the body, or that you could kind of recognize it as something deeper. Is that, oh. is that right? When, when you start with the physical structure and
1: you do the elaborate bandhas, sucking the, uh, the abdominal back, yeah? and then contracting the lower section, contracting the throat, it's the beginning. It's not an end in itself. And then slowly you go towards refinement. That's what it's all about. So a person who is no master of the craft requires many tools. The one who has mastered the, the craft requires very few tools. There's a very beautiful saying about invocation of Shiva. So, for Shiva Charana, if you get the old uh, translation of uh, Brahmaranda's uh, Josna on Hatha Pradipika, you know, the just the four chapters from the Ajar people, he gives a hint there because when you get to the asanas, he lists the asanas, the traditional asanas for cultivation of the body and the fine energies, right? He doesn't give much, but, you know, they just gave a hint enough. The other gurus, they knew about the more. And then he discusses this and he gives a few hints and then he gets to it, but then there is four more asanas, right? And But he gives them in the wrong order. So he gives what they call Siddhasana, which in the Upanishads is referred to as Vajrasana, Thunderbolt. Yeah, or thunder, the Vajranadi, basically. He gives that first. That's a hard one. It's the posture of the adept. Now, a beginner is far from being an adept. Then he gives Padmasana, but again, Bada Padmasana is a, a job for a beginner, right? Even who has ability. And then he gives um, Simhasana. And then he gives one more posture. And they're the most, most simple ones. So the order is the other way, right? So first, you start with the Simhasana. And then the, the next one, Simhasana sets up the breathing. right? So these four postures. But he says, for the invocation of Shiva, you need six. Asanas. He really names it. So, which are the other two? So, one is what they call nowadays headstand, shirsasana. In the old days, during the time of Vyasa um, and stuff, it was referred to as Kapali Mudra, the gesture of the community of the skull. Hello it changes the situation. What you have to do, what you're dealing with is the ventricular system of the brain and everything else that is situated in. That's the community. Plus your eyes and ears and all that. Now, nowadays, now I'm jumping a little bit for your benefit, yeah? From here, we jump to the 24 nadis or accumulation sites. The indivisible nadi is here, it's between the front edge of the frontal fontanelle and the hairline. The only person that kind of dropped the hint on this, it was Patabi.
0: Hmm.
1: Because everybody did the headstand on top of the head. It blocks the Nadi, it kills the community of the skull it is performed on this point. While the back section, back edge of the fontanelle is off the floor, the little fingers are underneath that. Why? Because this is what they call soma chakra. This is where the elixir comes into the body. It corresponds to the vyoma chakra, which corresponds to the nabi, to the navel. So when you start looking at these, they slowly unfold. So my book is an account of how to prepare for what they really call the Kei Sadhana and the Shambhavi Mudra. So this is developing, taking those tools that are required for this stage, meaning that you are a real master of those asanas and you don't need all the other stuff because you, you can enter whenever there's a need for it and you only do them when there is a requirement for it you'll know the body says maybe bhujangasana or maybe this and then you do that and you just enter the activity why because the shakti is up. well that's
0: uh if, if anyone's followed that well, well done. I mean, it's complicated. It's complicated, but the yeah. book lays it out clear, yeah. clearly. Um, so don't worry. Um, it's a good introduction and the best we can do in the time frame we have. Um, to that end, I wanted you to talk a little bit about the, before we go into the anatomy of the tongue, which is super interesting at the end of the book, I wanted you to talk about um, the five human gurus, because that's really interesting, uh, what you say about yeah. the the Shiva, Adinath, Masenjath, yeah. Garaksanath, Jalandhara, uh, and uh, Kanipan, Kapinath, kapinath something like Anipana. that, sorry. Kanipanath. Yeah. Kanipana. yeah. yeah. Kapi, kapi no. It's tongue
1: twister. Okay. Kanipa, Kanipa means, uh, refers Kan refers to the ears. Yes. That's why the story. So the five gurus, they really recognized and uh, Jalandarnath and Matsyendranath were contemporaries. Right? And they both had their own student. Kanipanath was for uh, Jalandarnath and Goraknath was uh, of course, Matsyendranath. And then the story of uh, Chauranginath is the the best. Chauranginath represents the beginner. The term Chaurangi means the one who has been robbed of his limbs, arms and legs. So if you look at it, the beginner has no arms, no legs. The movement of the wrists and the ankles brings forth the flexibility of the neck, the throat, the waist, everything inside the body. So though he is the last one, there's a hint for the beginner in the story for the appropriate mindset that, yes, I'm without legs and arms because, yes, I can do all those other things, but I have not done this. So definitely it requires something of a different type of reflection than what you already know. So you are stripped naked, and the stepmother—that's why I explained the stepmother is when the child enters puberty, you know all the the sexual unfoldment and everything. It robs you of the innocence of the child. Again, so the stories in the games book, games. and it's uh,
0: yeah, it's uh, it's beautifully explained in the book. Sorry, shall not continue. No, that's all, um, all right. Just as much as it's a, a complicated story about a guy who's been due to his stepmother has his hands and legs cut off uh, yeah. and left to die, right? And and yeah. as a symbol of the beginner, yeah. yeah. But there's all these th- these stories in in the book. Um, so you know, the, um, go through the go through the rest of them because we haven't got all the you know we haven't got no ever. no no
1: it's fine I go through it quickly yeah. so yeah yeah Adinath the term Vaisakha, that means Form within the formless. So Adinat is Shiva. And though the scholars will disagree, but we follow the active section of this Tantric lineage. The Pashupati was, were also active. So when the Pashupatis went underground, you know the name Kaundinya, Kaundinya asana. Quite an involved posture. Yeah? One of my favorites. Anyhow. He was the second last guru of the second rise of the Pashupatis, from century one AD till the seventh or eighth. And then they kind of went underground, but they resurfaced through the Nath Babas because they are all, every single one of them is portrayed in a Karana. Not only in a seat, but in those Karanas that are put in with their stories. So form within the formless suggests that now Adinath is the formless within the apparent form. So Adinath is the first guru, is Shiva. Pashupati was also Shiva, but they changed identity. Why? Because it's a new age. Different things, different requirements. What worked then, it will not work now. Why? Because they were very different lot to present day the earth also evolves. So, these babas came through. So, Matsyendranath's story is about how much it requires to be, to overcome food-related, drink-related, sex-related situations. That's why the, the mindset is there, hidden, that how to rise above these rhythms of unnecessary indulgences. You break that, you break the fear of that. Right? Uh, Gorakhnath's story has to do with the mind and inequalities. So the prayers of both. That's why Gorakhnath, once he was asked, somebody put shit on, uh, obviously, tried to pull Matsyendra and he said, hey, the guru and I are one. So, the Amanaska Yoga text explains all the faculties and functions of the mind and the corresponding senses and disturbances. Matsyendranath gives the correction of the body and the mind. When the mind is corrected, then these other things can come into the view. So, these are all stories for the beginner to read many times so they begin to get the hint for about the mindsets.
0: Then when you go to... Are they in the uh, or Is that a text worth that you recommend people to read? Or where can they find these stories?
1: I'll send you a, a...
0: What's the name? For the text, yeah? All right, okay. We'll put it in the notes, everyone. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I'll put it in. And it's It's difficult because a few of them and the most of them are really badly done. Okay? All right. Yeah. And... Um, Excellent. So... When you get to Jalandharmat, he was the master magician. He could enter any form without any difficulty at any any moment, right? He is the master of the bones. The karana that he is depicted in, now it is, though we do it in yoga nowadays, they straighten the leg, but it was always performed with one leg bent and slightly turned out, Right? And the other one is right on the base of your neck. It's bone. It shows that the bones have to be very strong and very well developed. And this is where the advanced practices, again, in the Ashtanga or in the Iyengar, that came in because it had to do with bones. So all the legs behind the head, forward this or that, it had to do with the bones. Bones is fire, right? Bones is structure. It it carries the whole system. And blood is produced inside the bones. Blood bad, you're going nowhere. Hmm. And then when you get this, then his disciple, he begins to hear things,
0: right? So let's just backtrack then. So the strength of the bones is to do with the quality of the blood
1: blood and also sitting for many many hours in meditation, but not like this. eh? Mm. It has Mm. to hold itself up. But then when you're sitting in meditation, Kanipanat comes into the situation in the Karana, crawling in, right? That means the energy, the Shakti begins to move, but as it goes through the different chakric systems, you will get different voices rise in your ears. Hallucinations, basically. And it's a forewarning of that, because every time he... Though the guru said to him, don't, right? Every time he fell for those voices, he became like a bodiless ghost, floating in nowhere. he get lost, many of those around. It's like, you know taking drugs, heavy drugs. So, you without uh, just floating, you know where. So, this is the whole story between this master and the um, and his disciple. While the whole thing is brought into the beginner, that is in the individual, this, the Chauranginat, once you have developed and regrow in your limbs, then you can begin the activity of the situation. And if you look at the early stages of, let's say, again, because you know the Ashtanga stuff, so Surya Namaskar, what are you using? Arms and legs. Mm -hmm. Whether it's linear or not, it doesn't matter. You have to begin somewhere. Linear activity builds the bones. It acts on the bones, it demands action from the bones. You have no bones, you're going nowhere. So this is what the five stories, they have the mind to go behind. So instead of preaching it into, drumming it in, it gives a subtle, storytelling was always a part of All the Upanishads, everything is stories. Why? Because it engages the faculty of the mind that is behind the surface. And that faculty we refer to as intuition. It's called buddhi in Sanskrit. So Mm. it's not just an intellectual exercise. It is the intuitive faculty having the power of the intellect without intellectualizing. There's a very beautiful... There's a sound. It's shroom. And this is the innermost... This one was used by the Pashupatis, of course, with other sounds added to it. But this is the only sound that will take you to the innermost cave of the mind. That has nothing to do with the surface. And it was this particular sound in between other sounds that was used to take the mind into the state of deep meditation and exit from the meditation. So we can say that uh, the sound is like, uh, brings forth the situation of void, because one sound enters the the first element, right? Of the etheric principle, sound creates space. Uh, Either square, circle, or whatever, it brings forth the, uh, what's the name, object of space. So before that was the void, it is called shunya. So this, when you touch this element void, then it allows you to go beyond structure. So you're no longer imprisoned by the elemental structure and it's hallucinatory effect in different regions of the body. That's what it does. So they say it like this, it's a a real sort of mind situation. Void lurking and gliding within the void. At a close a whisper without a whisper. So this is a quiet, uh, the innermost cavity of the mind. They speak of this. This is what they refer to as when they speak of the unstruck sound heard in the sound, in the heart. Mm-hmm. Because it corresponds to the cell space in the heart. So this is what this is all about. And the stories, they help to sort of bring forth this quality in the mind so when you begin to utilize sounds, it goes to the right place because there is a kind of trust that has been awakened through the stories. And then you are equipped for slowly to, call, to cultivate towards the right threefold structural situation where you don't ignore the body but you go beyond the body and then you slowly bring the other situations in activity
0: <laughs> <laughs> Now it's actually, yeah i mean highly interesting um Look, we're running out of time. What about um, the culmination in the book? You mentioned the, cu- the culmination in Sambhavi mudra. We need to talk about that a little bit and maybe just briefly on the anatomy of the tongue, which I, I found really yeah. interesting as well. So maybe those two okay. points to wrap up would be wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So the
1: t- the anatomy of the tongue is hidden in the first seven nadis in my book. You know the nadis? There's 16 mm. in- enumerated by Matsendranath. The first seven are the sushumna. So the central nadi and its counterpart of energetics is to do with the sammuka, even phase. That means all the sense organs and their energy are withdrawn. Alambusha means that line that should not be broken. Right. So this is all part of the sushumna. Then you go to the energy that circulates around the breasts, is Kurdari and shankini. And then you have the channel of the tongue, saraswati. And then you have the channel of the genitals, which is really Dhamvajranadi, the kuhu, new moon. Reproduction. Rejuvenation, right? These seven correspond to the last one, yashashvini, eternal flow. When you cultivate these seven, in the appropriate mudras and bodily positions with the appropriate breathing situation, then you centralize this energy in the sushumna comes alive. Automatically, the other eight that are mentioned after the kuhu is Ida Pingala and all the others, they have to do with planetary influences. You become free from planetary influences. Why? Because it is the planetary influences that cause the mind to fluctuate. This is kind of hidden in Goraknath's prayer. Why? Because when the sun is active, your mind will move in that energy. When the moon is active in that, when is the Gandhari Nadi is active, something else happens. So to when you cultivate these first seven, then you get number eight. That means the energy of the void flows through the whole body. And this is why they say that's the Ujjayi breath because you can do it whether you're walking, sitting, lying, it constantly is with you. But the others, they will cause fluctuations in the mind. So no big deal. This is why you kind of, when you do alternate nostril breathing, Surya Bhada, Chandra Bhada, all this, these are all physical activities just to make um, it makes the mind aware that this is where the fluctuations come from. Beyond that, they have no other purpose. The only one that the Gorakhnat promotes is Bastrika. And I can sum this up with the channel of the tongue. You know, they say the first uh, um, guru is uh, your mother. Eh? She mm-hmm. brings you into this world and then you with her. And I was with my guru almost six years free from the father because he was either in political prison or somewhere else in the army. Yeah, So we met very little. So I had a full impact with the mother. Then she passed a couple of weeks ago before Christmas at 98. Oh. So I sat with her for over the two weeks and stuff. And even at her passing, she gave me the best gift ever. 29 hours before her soul leaving, right? The mouth was slightly open, and she the body began, she was completely in a they say coma, but she was present because I could feel her touch. And then began a basrika movement through the mouth. It went for 29 hours, right? And then at the 29th hour, a certain gargling sound took place at the throat. And then after that, there was a very gentle whistling sound released and she was gone. Mm-hmm. And this happens with old, old people who get to the old ears. Now, when I got initiated, this is called the conch. And they didn't tell me that exactly why, but uh, before I begin anything, I blow this conch. It makes that whistling sound. And at the end of it also, it's a central Nadi situation. This is the sound that takes you above death at the time of departure through the thing. So... What ascertained was that what Goraknath said, that only Bastrika is the one, Shakti will not rise until the blood is acidic. Because she was on some slight medications, the blood was acidic. And of course, you know, food that they feed and stuff. Her body did the Bastrika for 29 hours. And de-acidified the blood. It became completely... Um, was
0: the other Alkali. side of Alkaline. Alkali. Alkali. Right. So, so Shakti rises on the alkaline blood, not the acidic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. This is why Shakti always enters the central Nadi through the Ida Nadi, never the pingala. So but we can discuss this in other times, huh? So this gift was the most beautiful gift I could ever receive at this stage because it came to me from her just like everything else came to me at the beginning. And I was instrumental in her leaving. And then that's how we have to look at it. And then I understood when they gave me this whistle without too much information at my initiation and these Mm. This is called the zero point, which corresponds to the navel. That's why the earrings are in the initiates.
0: Yeah. If you're listening on the uh, podcast, Shandor is pointing to his ears, which have been pierced in the middle cartilage with uh, big earrings. Right. So this, um, these
1: are serving that purpose hmm. in a nut. So the nut. So the nut babas, when they do it, it just reminds you of that moment that you have to rise above the fortress of the body. And Goraknath gives a warning for that also, that the avaduti, the one who, the siddha, yeah, shakes loose at the tenth door. The tenth door is the crown, the fontanel And this is why you never put headstand on the ground. You have to learn headstand first. So unless all the other asanas are done, forget it. You will cause all kinds of damages, eyes, ears, nose, Everything.
0: So he what, didn't, if you don't do headstand correctly, or if you miss it out, so I didn't get he, that.
1: you do it incorrectly, okay. So if you look at the, they always the finishing postures, right? Yeah. Why? Because you have to get there. You don't just get on it. You might have strength, but it's not about strength. It's about understanding of what it is that you really are doing. And each time you go. There's a Hemachandra in his treatise. He calls the headstand Duryodhana asana. He was a Jaina sage, yeah, and as an astrologer as well. So Duryodhana, the name Duryodhana, is like something that is impossible to fully conquer. So it was the name for the headstand or Kapali mudra, yeah, or Kapali asana. Hmm. So it is a warning that it is almost impossible to conquer. So one has to see the situation for what it is before one enters. Otherwise, there's no conquering. Like Caesar said, veni vici, veni vidi vici, huh? yeah. I came, I saw, then I conquered.
0: Yeah.
1: But the way we see in the yoga is that we have to do the practice and we have to arrive at the seeing through the suggested practices, their mastery, and behind that is the seeing.
0: I think you mentioned in the book a, a great example of this. We said something about black crows, but there's many black crows, but only a couple of white ravens. So it's very difficult to uh, to actually, like many people do, I suppose, doing you know, practices, yeah. asana, or whatever. Very few people are actually kind of going to, Make any headway with, with with what you're describing here, which is totally understandable. So I mean, to that end, a lot of people will be listening and saying, "Well, how the hell do I start this?" You know, if I don't have access immediately to Shandor, obviously that's one one way. I guess you would start it, um, come it's, and see Shandor. But how how other you know people are feeling frustrated now with their practices, etc., their asana practices. How would you start to cultivate this? And is it dangerous? It sounds you mentioned before. Well, the, look, the, the I exposed some of the. I basically I gave an account, right.
1: And then in the other kind, I don't fully expose. I even mentioned it there in a the book that I didn't expose everything. I just, and there are other things that are not exposed fully. Why? Because if somebody is ignorant of the activity, they will cause more harm than good to themselves. And that's my karma. I don't want to walk down that road. So there has to be caution. If the person is practicing, the correctly following a certain system or method, and they they cover the first grant. The teacher will appear, right? So it, it's not. It, but the attachment to situations is also difficult to let go because when I was told first, I think I mentioned this last time we chatted. When I um when I was told when I. Received the first guidance of the uh, towards the Kichari. I was told all elaborate work has to go less, and I said, eh, "What would you know, eh, right?" I knew better. That was the attachment in me, cost me my shoulders. Now it took me quite a number of over a decade to reconstruct the whole situation. Waste of time. One has to take heed. If you go to a guidance, you might not be told uh, what you want to hear. You will be told all those things you really don't want to hear. Why? Because you think you're going to lose those things. You'll never lose. If you master something, you'll never lose. It is there with you if you cover the ground well. But people like to play and they get bored. Like I remember early days when I was working with Mr. Iyengar, and I said, Well, oh, I said, you know, this stuff every day is like. It was different in those days than what it is now. Yeah. He said to me, Well, he said, it's boredom is there, but he said, You know what? Start new again. Every time you start, do it new. Do the same thing new. What did he say? Look at the same thing with a different mindset. Don't dwell on your glories and stuff. Don't glorify the Guru. Don't try. Then, Then I saw people trying to emulate the Guru, right? And they even started to develop the, the barrel stomach and all this. Oh, no, excuse me, I'm not him. You know, you are you. It is about the person in there. And yes, you have to have the deep, the best respect is if you are given something and you trust where you were drawn to and you follow that path, then you take it fully, not bits and pieces. And, and respect that. Then you're already mm. doing respect. You don't have to glorify it.
0: Well, I don't know how um, how to really wrap this up exactly. It's, it's uh, again as the second chat. It's equally as a uh, as uh, incredible as the first one. How how any any parting shots for anyone? Any, anything else to say? I mean, I think you've said a hell of a lot. Obviously, get the book. Uh, everyone read the book. How can they get the book in the first place, Chandor? They can they uh,
1: the website. The, the website with also because we are doing um um <clears throat> also now it's gone on to emma deals with this uh, i'm a complete sort <laughs> of her, but you can find it on, and we'll
0: put, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put it's on it on amazon yeah there you go it will
1: be on amazon available because the first thousand went like this now the other thing is i'm running i'm starting it's on a website i'm starting a course for people who are interested in what's in a book, so to expand what things cannot be written in a book, I'm starting a discourse on every full moon, and it is followed by a question and answer on the new moon. Yeah, so the, the so they can if they interested in this subject like what we did with your interview here. Then can also get on that course and it's it's over six months or seven months something like
0: that wow once well, a month yeah at your peril be it um it's uh, yeah I, as Shando says if you start this it doesn't look like uh you know you have to complete it you know it's uh it really is a one good advice uh, yeah
1: the the people who are interested in this they have mm. to have very good existing practice of the asanas and the basic pranayamas because then it then it is a possibility when i say good that means they don't struggle with any of the asanas even though they use a sequence as long as they each asana comes with like pouring water into the glass if that is possible then it is a good time to enter this because then it's very easy to take those asanas that are required on the further of the journey and when this is covered, then also they have to go.
0: So you think that the person needs to be advanced in asana even to start this?
1: They have to have at least, let's say, like the primary, primary series. series. At least
0: primary uh, series. Okay.
1: Uh, right. It is. Right. It is because there you cover all the things if you look at the marichis in a primary series right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it cultivates what mulabandhasana does it cultivates a reproductive system the women the women that's why it's so beneficial with with the ladies especially with the menstrual situations as well as uh, when they go to menopause it's a blessing on them the marichi asanas but You know, one has to be aware of each one of those sections that make up the full sequence, what each one of them covers and works upon. This is understanding each shape. And then you have a set of tools that you can use whether there is disadvantage or advantage, it will be always to your advantage because you use up the energy accordingly. If it is... Negative energy, you still know how to burn it. If it is positive energy, you don't know how to heighten it. It's knowing what to do, when to do it, how to do it. That's the best thing.
0: That sounds and- like a good ending. And and um yeah, there's more descriptions of the asanas in the book. By the way, he uh, Chandor does define um, some asanas and particular benefits of the asanas, and especially as you mentioned the kar- Karani Mudra and the uh, the headstand the yes. uh, community gesture so yeah there's so much stuff in there and um <laughs> obviously check out the course um, i'm a little bit afraid now to it uh, to even even look at the details but i shall do and uh well, yeah you can find all the notes in our in our section below yes okay so the go.
1: one good uh, advice i can give that you right. may have to maintain the innocence of a child right rather the innocence of a beginner before it starts anything. That's always being a child. whether one knows it or not, it is that innocence there. If one can maintain that then patience and the will will make the rest happen. Because you have to you are faced in once you enter the, this region here, you start fa- being faced with the failures, not so much from the body, because the body has been covered, but failures with the mind and its memory patterns, where you constantly, it reaches into the past and sucks it into the middle, into the foreground, and you haven't even noticed. So the next thing you're beating yourself.
0: All right. So bear that in mind. Thanks for your time. It's great to see you again. Thank you. Thank you, Chandu.
1: Take good care. Bye-bye.